0: Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Brida Brown and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at Books IRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Wendy Erskine, a writer who lives in Belfast. Her first collection of short stories was called Sweet Home and was shortlisted for the Edge Hill Prize and also longlisted for the Gordon Byrne Prize and won the 2020 Butler Literary Award. She's just published her second collection. It's called Dance Move and both it and Sweet Home are published by The Stinging Fly. Wendy works as a teacher in Belfast. She's actually head of English in the school and she was recently appointed to a fellowship At the Seamus Heaney Centre. Firstly, Wendy, I love this story and I absolutely have to know if it's true or not. I believe you took an afternoon off work once and that's how you started writing. Was it that simple?
1: Rita, it more or less was. What happened was that I was, it turned out that I had a Monday afternoon off work for a year. And that was a that was a lovely thing. That was a great opportunity. And I thought to myself, let's try and do something with it other than just mooch around the town and, you know, sit places, having a coffee, reading a book or whatever, which would have been really nice too. I love that. But uh, I just happened to see that Sting and Fly were running a six month fiction workshop in Dublin, and it just happened to be on that. Um, just happened to be on that afternoon or that evening whenever I had the time off work, so it would facilitate me getting down to Dublin and back again. So that's what I. That's what I did. It was pure fluke. pure chance that I happened to see it because I'd, I had kind of thought to myself. Um, I wonder if I should try and do some writing or maybe I should volunteer to work in a shop or I didn't really know what I was going to do. And so that just kind of solidified it that that's what I would try to do. So that opportunity then just cultivated the love of writing and that's how you started Yes, I mean, I suppose I would have written things over the years. I wrote a blog for a little while, and I, I would have written little bits and pieces, but purely just for my own amusement and my own my own interest. So I had written bits and pieces, but I'd never tried to get anything published seriously, really at all, and I'd never really written any short stories before up until that point. So the first story I actually wrote was one to try to get on the stinging fly course. So, uh, yeah, and that that ended up in first in the first uh, in the first book. And it obviously worked. You were talking there about the
0: blog, uh, which was called Blue Lamp Disco. And you said you wrote about really random things. But one of the ones that stood out for me was you wrote as if you were Brian Wilson's girlfriend in the
1: 1960s. Yeah, I just I just did all sorts of silly things like that, you know, so I kind of like did album covers based on just stuff that I could find around the house, like a cat and beef heart cover with using these oven gloves. Um, And, you know, just 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 trying to recreate stuff like that or else pretending to be different people. Brian Wilson's wife and all all sorts of things like that. It was just kind of a it's kind of a lot of silliness, but it was quite a lot of uh, it was quite a lot of fun, too. And is that what
0: gets your creativity going? Because you've said as well, you'd hear songs or lines of a song on the radio and that suddenly will trigger something for you.
1: Yeah, sometimes it doesn't need to be songs. Um, sometimes it'll be a song. Sometimes it could be um, maybe something I've read in a, in a magazine, maybe just a photograph of a person sometimes, or it could just be a little fragment of conversation that I would hear when I'm out and about in the town, say. Um, so it just, it just depends. Different stories, the the kind of impetus for them just comes from all sorts of different, uh, different places. Or maybe a few things, put them all together, and kind of the cumulative effect of them all together produces something. And is that why... The short story sort of appeal to you
0: because you could write about so many different
1: things. Yeah, I do like that. I love that. I love that. Whenever you're writing a short story collection, you're not tied down to any particular theme or idea. Or you're not tied down to like a sort of you know a, a limited number of number of characters. But honestly, at the beginning, short stories didn't appeal to me at all. Really. Because- uh, yeah, because I think the way people talk about them, it's just like so off-putting. You know, all that stuff, like they're like a Fabergé egg and it's all like polished. It's all these silversmithy sort of metaphors, you know, it's everything to do with pristine, perfect um, flawless. I just hate that, you know, our discourse. I hate the sort of short story discourse. I think it's it's terribly it, it seems really theoretical. There's all these rules um, you know all this stuff like every single thing anybody says about them you can dispute you know say for example that thing every sentence has to lead the story onward or propel the story forward no it doesn't it doesn't at all and it was after a while I sort of it sort of dawned on me that it was a really flexible form and all this kind of all this sort of short story arcana you could absolutely dispense with it if you wanted and do your own thing
0: so just nonsense then do you think you sort of it's sort of the well, literary culture trying to to get that message out when really it's rubbish Sometimes well
1: I think I think rules generally they work a lot of the time but if you if you absolutely are too respectful of rules it's a very very stifling thing um, but what I also think is the reason why there's been so much kind of theory developing around the short story is in order to try to assert its worth, I suppose, in the face of people who dismiss it or think of it a, a sort of rookie prep for a novel or, you know, sort of a calling card that people produce a like short story collection before they move on to something bigger. So I think all that bulwark of, um, you know, short story kind of theory is almost there to kind of say, you know, no, this is actually something really very, very difficult. And it is difficult. I'm not saying it's easy, but it doesn't need to be quite as things don't need to be a sort of pristine and polished and um, kind of, you know, every sentence absolutely minutely crafted just in quite the way people say.
0: So you just threw the whole idea of everything out the window and said, I'm going to do it my way.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. What's the point in bothering if you're if you're going to be a slave to the things that other people have done and you're going to try to emulate others? Well, why? Why bother? you got to have to you got to have to try and strike some sort of path of your, of your own or else there's there's just no point in there's no point in, in doing it, you know. So, um, and you kept you
0: obviously, you know, wrote the first one, enjoyed it and kept writing then again. At what point
1: did you decide what am I going to do with all this work? Well, do you know what happened? It didn't really work like that because what happened was um, for the, for the workshop that I did with Sting and Fly, there were 10, uh, there were 10 people and you wrote a story and you, um, Or a bit of a novel. Some people were doing bits of novels. And there was a sort of a rotation. So every six weeks or so, other people would read your work, or maybe a wee bit longer, but other people would read your work. So by the end of the course, I didn't really have a huge amount of work. I probably had about two or three stories, maybe. um, And a couple of them probably weren't much good anyway. I got one story published in the Sting and Fly Press and Sting Fly Magazine, and then Deadland Maid from Sting and Fly said, "Would you like to do a collection?" So at that stage, I didn't have any stories really at all, bar maybe two. And so he said, "What do you think you can write?" And I, I said, I was trying to be, you know, trying to be all dynamic and, you know, terribly vital and dynamic and all of this. So I said, "So I can do one a month, no problem." One a month. And then he goes, "All oh, right, okay, okay. Well, just you do that." So I thought, oh, goodness, <laughs> "No, absolutely." sort of back myself into the corner here but i did do that so i did one a month so it was kind of like so it it took about a year and a bit so probably about 15 stories um but i wrote them knowing that they were probably going to appear in a collection so it wasn't i wasn't one of these people with all these drawers of short stories all all shoved into them looking for somewhere to publish them i really had nothing until Declan said you know do you want to try and work on this and put it together but
0: that sometimes is what you need, is a deadline and a focus. And, you know, you ended up with, what was it, 11 stories in Sweet Home? Um, yeah, 11, that's right. Yeah, and generally. so when you were writing it, then knowing it was going towards a collection, I'm just interested, did you link the stories in any way or have a particular theme you wanted going through it? Or did
1: you decide, no, they're all going to be 11 totally different stories? I had no, right, I had no theme, right? Although if you decide now to look in retrospect, I can look and see themes in the way that you can see stuff in anything, you can retrofit themes to what you to what you did. And um, so there was no theme, but because all the stories were quite, because they, they were all written about a world that's fairly geographically sort of circumscribed, it was all about, you know, people living in quite a, just probably just a handful of streets, the same sort of, same sort of area in some ways people that might have had something in common with each other it meant the 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 collection had a kind of a cohesion you know because because of that so it's not as if one set in Paris and it's about you know a woman and her lover whereas another set in you know, on a on a trip to the moon, and um, plus another set in you know a, a farm in um, County Tyrone. It wasn't it wasn't like that. It wasn't that. It wasn't disparate like that. Having said that, what does unify the work of pretty much anybody is their own sensibility. So, probably if I did write something which was about farm, you know, something in Paris with affairs, plus something in the moon, it's always going to be me, and it's always going to be my take on it, and the people would probably be reasonably similar. <laughs> Even if they were in those very, very different kinds of um, locales, I suppose. So, how did you feel then when it was eventually published? It was it's so fun. It was such a it was such a thrill, you know. It was it was kind of like I had this launch in Belfast, and I suppose because I'm like fifty, I was fifty whenever the short story collection came out. Um, and there was such a sort of wave, such a sort of tide of sort of goodwill towards me. And it was kind of partly because it was sort of like la- sort of last chance saloon person. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know, be talking you yourself down. You know what I mean? No, that that sort of idea of somebody who'd got it together pretty pretty late on, that finally managed. You know, I remember my dad, I was like 50. And I remember my dad said, it's brilliant to see you making something of yourself. <laughs> and, or, and he said, you no, know, what he said was, it's brilliant to see you making something of yourself. Of your life, And I was like, are you kidding? Because, you know, by many indexes uh, had me at something of, of, my, of my life. If, if you can ever say anybody does that, you know, I, you know, a, a family relationships, job, house, whatever, whatever, you know, but he was kind of, it was kind of right as well, because it was something that was, that was, um, it was a real achievement and I absolutely, absolutely loved that. You know, I'd be sitting at a bus stop thinking, oh, goodness, I've just missed the 6A. It's another half hour. And then I'd go, yeah, but I've, I've written a book. Written a book. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's nice. It's kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely, that's... And
0: it gives you confidence, though, as well to continue, which you did. Um, yeah. And now Dance Move, the next, the second book yeah. is out. And again,
1: you've stuck with the short story and you've stuck with the short story collection. That's right. That's right. I honestly didn't think it didn't it it didn't feel like a very radical thing to stick to stick with it um it just it just seemed that do you really enjoy writing short stories yes would you like to write more short stories yes is anybody knocking on your door saying you must write a novel no not really so i just continued and that's, that's how it works. I love what you've said as well before that,
0: you know, again, because there's always the short story versus the novel. And as you said earlier on, people are saying you write the short story as a precursor to the novel. You mm-hmm. said, though, when writing a short story, you love it because you get a hit every month when you're writing one or every six weeks. it's It's fantastic as opposed to waiting a year for a novel to be written.
1: Absolutely. I do. I do feel like that about it. It's it's if you can get it right, if the execution can kind of meet what it is you've got in your mind. It is. It's a really, really um, it's a really, really thrilling thing, you know. But what I don't like, Breida, is I don't really like people totally slagging off and dissing short story writers, dissing the novel and vice versa. I love I love novels. I love big, immersive reads. You know, I'm happy with a big novel, 600, 700 pages that I know I'm going to be in for, you know, maybe even a number of weeks. It's lovely, but it's a totally different pleasure to the reading pleasure that is the uh, that is the short story, you know. how do the stories form for you? You mentioned
0: earlier on, you know, something will trigger whatever. But like, do they sometimes come to you as a whole or is it just a line and you start thinking about it and then it, it unfolds? Or, or how how does it work for you?
1: Right. It works for me usually in in a in a really similar way so what I normally do is I might have an initial idea of maybe a person or maybe a particular situation or whatever and I don't really put pen to paper and I just think about it I just think about it for ages and I'm trying to get the people into my head I'm trying to get to know them and it kind of sounds as though I'm being really sort of mystical or sort of really transcendental or something saying I'm waiting for the people to reveal themselves to me (laughs) but there is a dimension of it that's like that and it's kind of you know, I might have an idea, but the person that I imagine, the person that comes is something really not quite what I had thought. And so my stories end up being character-led. So I it's very rarely that I think, well, A is going to happen, then B is going to happen, and as a result of A and B, C then is going to occur. It's not really like that. I'll let it be led, really, by the, um, by the characters. So after I've thought about it for ages, I start and do a first draft, with no restrictions whatsoever, um, no idea really what I'm writing about other than just to get things down on paper. And so my short stories are normally about 6,000 words, but this first draft will maybe be about 18,000. or
0: 18,000?
1: 18, One eight. Yeah. Crikey. And so what happens is there's so much... There's, so I'll, I'll do it whatever way I feel like, moving places, moving characters, even the names might change as I go on, and I'm just trying to get them into view. I'm just trying to understand them and put them in different places and so on and then what I need to do after I've written this really big first draft is I need to read it in a really cool and critical way and kind of think well what is this about you know Mm. and who's actually interesting here and is there anything going on here that anybody's going to want to read or that I find interesting and then I start from scratch all over again um, and just looking at (laughs) just (laughs) looking at, at trying to get things just it's not like cutting and pasting and it's not like oh let's just move this bit up to the top of the page it's not it's not like that it's starting again from scratch but what with that way of working what I think happens is that you get a real level of complexity because say somebody read a say in a final story that's only maybe one paragraph in that in that earlier draft they might have been a couple of pages and so what you're maybe getting is a kind of a complexity they don't just become a cipher they don't just become somebody who's just there to 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 say something to the main character whatever so that's that's the way that's the way i work
0: it just i'm i'm amazed by the fact that you actually end up writing your short story twice
1: Oh yeah, and I'll even I'll write it more times then after that. So it'll be like the it'll be like the big first draft, and then it'll go right down. It'll cut down by half or even more, and then I'll I'll write it again maybe after after that. So it's always just trying to refine it down and down. And normally I'm going simpler. You know, like one time somebody said to me, oh, do you edit your work? And I, I could tell that they didn't really get what I did at all because they were thinking that I'm just going to be seized by the muse and put all this stuff down. And it's just a load of Belfast people speaking higgly piggly, whatever way they want. And it's not like that. I mean, a lot of the time I'm trying to simplify things as I'm as I'm going. Um, simplifying and complicating at the same time. <laughs> that's kind of paradoxical but that's the way it works. And who does edit your work then? Uh, well what happens is that um, I don't I'm not one of those people that passes it round loads of loads of folk so um, occasionally I'll show it to somebody but normally I would just send it then to Declan Mead and Declan would say you know maybe you want to think again about that ending or you know not too sure about piece of that or whatever and I would listen to what he has to say and go back and and work a little bit more on it. And
0: isn't it great that you've developed such a brilliant relationship there on the basis of, you know, you started out with Stinging
1: Fly in terms of that workshop and here we are now, two books later. I know it's incredible and... Whenever I started on that course, I had no intention of being published. You know, it really wasn't that. It wasn't that I had any kind of, you know, plan for world domination via the short story or whatever. Right. All I was wanting to do was to do something interesting on a on a on a Monday. And. Um, and so even the course itself, it was really, there was no focus on getting published at all. It was kind of like, okay, so your writing might, might be okay. Let's see if we can get it to be quite good. You might, your writing might be quite good. Let's see if we can get it to be very good. So there, it was just a focus on improving what it was or getting you to think about your stuff. So I had no expectation that any of this was going to happen. And so I do regard it as really I regard myself as being really lucky and I regard it as a very unexpected, um, unexpected thing. You know? Absolutely. And people have loved
0: both books. And one other question, just, I suppose, around the books first is yeah. how do you decide? I've always wondered this. How do you decide on the order of the stories?
1: Well, the order of the stories, both, both times this was done really, really quickly. And... Um, I suppose what, what Declan said whenever I was putting the order together was um he he said like don't don't start off with something really left field so don't don't give give people for the first story something that pretty much establishes what it is you're trying to do. And so I did that and then after that I just kind of tried not to duplicate things. So if I felt that, you know, there was one and set in a particular um kind of a place or household or home or whatever, I didn't do another one that was that was similar. But I suppose um, I don't know. Do you? Would you read the short stories in order? I just wouldn't. I I don't even I don't even read them in, in you the You see, I do
0: because I probably read them like a book because you say, I feel you need to start at the start and and work yeah. your way through. Unless yeah. I'm short on time and I want to find one of the shorter ones that I can read in that period of time. Yeah, but generally,
1: yeah. I will start at the start. It's funny, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. It is funny because, you know, in in some ways, I think. What you're hoping for is that the the effect of a short story collection is sort of like more than the more than the sum of its parts, so that something happens when you read all those stories and the overall effect is something beyond the effect of each one of them taken individually, if that if that makes sense. That's kind of the ideal thing, I think, with with a with a collection. Um, and so you do hope even if people aren't reading them in a specific order, you do hope that the, that the stories are in some way working together, I think, to produce this this whole. We've also seen a huge
0: amount of short story collections actually in the past couple of years, <laughs> you know, from the likes of Cathy Sweeney, Deirdre
1: Sullivan, Nicole Flattery, Lucy Caldwell. Do you read them? I do. You know, I do. I do. I do read them. I do read them. Um I do read quite a lot of short. I do read quite a lot of short stories. Yes, I do. And I read them and I sometimes read them thinking, wow, that's amazing. I would never have thought of I would never have thought of doing that. But yes, I I, I do read them, but I don't read short story collections exclusively. And sometimes I find them very I don't read them quickly. I'm a a dreadful reader. Right. I read loads (laughs) and I read so quick. And I, I am happy to leap pages if I, if I think, oh, it's a description of some old tree or something. I'm not interested, um, and so I, I do leap all the time. And I will always read the ending first because I can't stand the book not know. I can't stand investing in a character and then I find out they died or whatever halfway. Sorry, through. Sorry, you read
0: the end of a
1: book before you actually yeah. read the book. Oh yeah, no way. Always, uh, Do you know what? Does I, that ruin it? No, I cannot stand the tension. And uh, see, if we go to see a film, it's not often we do now, but we I I have to know that the ending, so I'll always have looked it up on on you know on the internet to check out what it is.
0: You're hilarious. Does that
1: not absolutely ruin the whole the whole point of it? You I know, can't I just can't stand can't stand the tension of it. And know? that's why you
0: like short stories, I'd say, because you well, can get to the ending story. quicker.
1: <laughs> you get to the ending quicker, and you can't skip. It's kind of utterly pointless to skip parts of short stories, really. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I, I do enjoy reading them, but I sometimes think of them as kind of like a box of something kind of quite rich, like a box of some sort of truffles or whatever, that sometimes I can't just go immediately from one on to the next. It takes time to kind of consider them and, and ponder them a, a little bit. Also the way you have to recalibrate to New World each time. Mm-hmm. Even something like mine, which is... You know, they're they're not. It's not like you're moving from you know Kosovo to you know the Arctic or whatever. But even even so, it's a slightly different place each time. You have to recalibrate, and that that can also be something that people find takes them a little bit of a little bit of getting used to, a little bit of time. Do you think you will write a novel? Well, I kind of need to think what I want to do now. If somebody said to me, "Oh, just re- you can write another book of short stories, and and that'll be." that'll be the next production, I will be happy enough, you know, because I do enjoy it such a, it such a lot, but, you know, I, I maybe will try something longer, but what I've found in the past as well, Obrida, is that, you know, whenever I've, whenever I've started, I sometimes thought I can tell this is a short story. I'm aching it out, you know, and I do think that a lot when I read novels, I kind of think that was really a short story, wasn't it? You know, um, so I, I and sometimes I like the feeling of it being eked out. That doesn't bother me. Um, but I do sometimes think that. So say, for example, the story Cell that's in the new book, I kept it back from Sweet Home because I thought, oh, I want to write that longer. I want to make that. I think that could be 80 90,000 words. And I did start to do that. And I just thought, but this story's already I'm already telling the story adequately at this length. Why mm. am I putting more in? So yeah, I probably will. Just I like doing all sorts of things, you know, I, I do like writing all kinds of stuff. And I've been very lucky that basically anything interesting that anybody's asked me to do, I've done really. And so that's resulted in lots of different sorts of writing, which has been great. So, yeah, I probably will. I probably will.
0: At some stage. But one of the other interesting things you're doing that somebody's asked you to do is you were appointed to a fellowship at the Seamus Heaney Centre. So what does that mean?
1: Well what that what that means is so there's 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 uh, there's three fellows this year. There's the poet Denise Riley and there's also as well um Tim from um from Ash. And we're doing we're doing a series of events together. Um and what as well is I'm I'm working with postgrad students um at Queen's um on their on their creative writing. And then I've got um some other projects as well on the go with them where I'm going to be um Interviewing various different writers and, and and people about about their own their own writing and their practice and how, how they go about things. So yeah, that was a really nice thing to be asked to to be asked to do. And it sounds like there's an interesting mix of you guys involved in that this year. So that's going to be brilliant. Yeah, so that's going to be great. So we've got a couple of events coming up in in April. One at the Seamus Heaney Centre another at Queens coming up quite soon. And that's with that's with Tim Wheeler and Denise Riley and me. So that should be uh that should be really really interesting so once we're finished this podcast today what are you going off to write uh, once i finish this podcast today i am going off to write something that is music related and um, so i am going off just to um write something that is related to uh, it's, it's related to music Yes, so that's, your, what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Your other
0: favourite. Well, Wendy Erskine, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find <laughs> Wendy's books online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooks I or E. Inside Books is a unique media production with research by Cleona Plunkett. And if you'd like to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time. Keep reading.